church and uh, van breaks down, broke down Wednesday as well. So pray that God help them get that van up and running. They wanted to be at church this morning. They, they've asked him for prayer. So Jonah chapter 1. I picture him a rotten apple if you put that up there. Amen. Don't that look good? <laughs> makes you hungry, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, thinking about rot, rot starts on the inside, but as you can see, it works its way all the way to the outside, doesn't it? And many times, a rotten apple will have worms and maggots all over it. Uh, and it's just disgusting, amen. You know, when something is rotten, it loses texture and taste, and sometimes carries disease with it. There's a truth here. You can go ahead and take it off. When we refuse to forgive and let go, we rot from the inside out. When we refuse to forgive, three things happen we see in Scripture. One, uh, God himself will not forgive us. Think about that. When we hold for unforgiveness, when we should forgive someone, we will not. Uh, God holds that from us, Matthew six fifteen. If you not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So what happens when we hold what should be forgiven, it begins to cause a rot on the inside. This is why long-term Christians, especially not so much new converts, uh, but long-term Christians, they can hold something that should be let go, should be forgiven, but they hold it uh, and they begin to rot. And that rot turns into a stench uh, and disease. Second thing, that happens when we hold uh, unforgiveness is uh, we breed bitterness in us and it becomes toxic. Hebrews 12, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one can see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and many have become defiled. So when we hold this in, uh, we become defiled. Think about that. Simply when we need to forgive, but we won't, we hold that in, uh, uh, something begins to defile in us. There's a rot that takes place in us. Third thing that happens as we get stuck in the past. Refusing to forgive others, one man says, like taking a snapshot of that time and offense and pasting it uh, to it on our computer screen like a wallpaper. It stays with us. We end, up, uh, we end up staying at that moment in time, unable to completely move on and enjoy the new things that God is doing in our lives. Uh, I know people that got offended uh, years ago. Today, it's all they talk about. So all they can see is this, it's a snapshot, it's a screenshot. Uh, so all they see, it doesn't matter what's happening in life, they only see that offense. They only see that bad thing that happened, uh, and because that, a rot takes place in them. Isaiah 43.18 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth in you, and you shall know it. And God begins to explain what that new thing is. But listen, I want to challenge you this morning. Let the old things go. Let the offenses, uh, the things that need to be forgiven, forgive it. Uh, and move on because it will cause a rot and a stench uh, it may be a disease in you. So let's go to our text this morning. Let's see this in real life. Jonah 1. Let's start at verse 1. 
So now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amita, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish uh, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Father, I'm asking you right now, God, to minister. God, by your Holy Spirit, break bondages. The spirit of unforgiveness, I break it. I cast it down, God, by your word, by your power. God, I'm asking you, God, give us a heart of forgiveness. God, would forgive and let go. Uh, God, that rottenness, I break his power. God, that disease, that stench, uh, I break his power. God, give us dominion in life. In Jesus' name, God's people say, Amen. Amen. Unresolved issues. You're taking notes this morning. Unresolved issues. Let's look first this morning at living with unresolved issues. Jonah's been given a great opportunity as a preacher. You know this as the greatest opportunity of all times. Uh, God has sent him to a great city. Uh, he's chosen by God to go to Nineveh, that great city. He's there to preach, get souls saved, converted, uh, have revival, and build something for God. God's going to help him. To a pastor, to a man that's called the priest, this is the greatest opportunity of all times. God said, I'm sending you personally to a great city, uh, I'm going to do great things there. You're going to see powerful things uh, take place. Jonah seemed to be the right man for the job, for he knew the heart of God. says this in Jonah 4, 2. For I, knew, uh, for I know that you are a, a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. So Jonah knows the heart of God, and I believe that's why God's sending him. These are people that are desperate for God. They desperately need to know that God has mercy, that God will forgive. Jonah sent to show that. Uh, Jonah's going to experience what every pastor dreams. He's going to go to a city in a short time. Revival's going to break out. You know, pastors dream about this. Many pastors spend their whole ministry with 50 or less. I know pastors that have been on the field for 20, 30 years uh, have 20, 30 people. I mean, think about the opportunity. Go to go to Nineveh. Uh, you're going to have a great success. A lot of people are going to get saved. Uh, the Bible said 120,000 men got saved besides women and children. Even the animals all went on a fast. Talking about a response that every pastor would just dream of. Uh, and Jonah has this firsthand. Look at Jonah 3, verse 4. As Jonah began to enter the city for the uh, first day's walk, then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, uh, and set in ashes. And it caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the degree of the king and his noble saying. Let neither man nor beast, herd or flock taste anything. Do not let them eat nor drink water, but uh, let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry out mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil ways and from the violence that is in his hand. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works and he, was, and he turned from his evil 
that they turned from their evil ways and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. That's a great revival going on there. Hallelujah. Just imagine what you can do with the response like this. Immediately have church of a thousands, disciples surrender to God, money to plant churches and evangelize the world. Uh, that's every pastor's dream. I mean, to go to a place to have success like that, uh, I mean, in a moment's time, you're able to do what uh, we've done as a fellowship in 50 years. But Jonah had some unresolved issues. You know, the truth is, we all have some issues, don't we? There's not one person here who said, hey, I'm completely clean. I'm the best guy in the blog. <laughs> I don't have any issues. I'm not angry ever, Pastor. I'm never mad at anybody. My marriage is perfect. Uh, no, you're a liar. Come on. We all have issues. But God expects us to work them issues out. God expects it. Not asking. God expects it. Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. You first work it out between you two. Uh, if he hears that you have gained uh, your brother, verse 16, but if he does not hear, take it uh, to two or three, that uh, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Uh, verse 17, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Uh, and it goes on and on. Jesus giving us a, a structure to solve the issues, but solve the issue. Don't let this stuff grow in you and become rot and bitter uh, and destroy everything that God wants. So in short, Jesus is saying in life and in ministry, uh, uh, amen, there's going uh, to be issues to resolve. But you must resolve them. You know, truth this morning, there's marriages that have unresolved issues and there's a rot going on right now. This is one of the problems in marriages today is uh, they will not resolve some issues. Issues that have to be resolved that that marriage is going to have any life, any health, uh, 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 any victory later in life. They have to resolve some things. Uh, uh, but how many in marriage today, they just won't sit down and resolve. They won't talk it through. They won't pray it through. I won't deal with an issue. Uh, and because of that, in time, it turns into a rot, uh, a stench and disease that marriage doesn't survive. There are men in ministry today with unresolved issues. It's cost them ministry opportunities. Cost them a city, maybe a nation, disciples, maybe leadership. I know men on the field that simply won't deal with some issues, uh, and because of that, they're stifled. Third thing we see here, our unresolved issues affect other people. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah's unresolved issues cost other men undue hardship and livelihood. Look at verse 4. And the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So if the ship was about to break up, then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to their God and threw the cargo uh, that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. You know, these men uh, threw their cargo overboard, but how many men do we know that thrown their ministry overboard? Uh, and uh, because of some kind of offense. Uh, or because they got caught up in somebody else's offense. They got, they got caught up in somebody else's man. It's, all, it's almost like, you know, like being in eighth grade again. Uh, uh, he's not my friend, so he can't be your friend. Or I don't like her, so you can't like her. 
get caught up in somebody else's offense and it costs you ministry and, and, and sometimes salvation. You know, the people of Nineveh suffered as well. After this great revival, everybody turned to God. You can imagine that's the talk on the whole town. Uh, man, God moved. Yes, we repented. My husband, my wife, my children. We all got on our knees, cried out to God. God forgave us. Uh, every household was talking the same story. Every neighborhood, every, uh, every back alley, every, everybody's talking the same story from the king all the way to the lowest. Yes, we repented, got right with God, but because of uh, Jonah's unresolved issue, uh, these people are hurt because now they have nobody to lead them. If you know the end of the story, Jonah's on the hill whining uh, uh, to God about God having compassion on these people. Look secondly at the problem. A couple things. One, the problem is not God. The problem is not pastor. The problem is not other men. The problem is our own heart. Can I say it again? The problem is not pastor or God or other people. It's your own heart. Jonah 1, 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city cried against it. For the wickedness has come up before me, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the, of the Lord, Jonah 4, 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. God moved, it was Jonah's heart. God can't, or Jonah can't point to anybody else, it's Jonah's heart here. Luke 17, 1, Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. You know, offenses are part of life. Offense, by definition, is annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult, a breach of law or standard. Offense and insult are part of life. People are going to say things and do things that are going to hurt you. That's part of life. People, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, uh, it's going to happen. And Jesus says it's impossible to go through life uh, and not be offended and not have people offend you. Uh, that's impossible. It comes from God. When Jesus says something's impossible, it's impossible. You know, some people are just mean, uncaring, and cruel. How many's met people like that? There's some people just like that, so uh, they're going to offend you. It's that's just who they are, uh, and it's going to happen in life. Jesus, think about Jesus is constantly being berated by the religious crowd. Jesus is finally beaten, shamed, and crucified. But his last words, Luke twenty three thirty four, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Think about this, the greatest mistreatment of all, and Jesus' last word, Father, forgive them. I know people that got offended 20 years ago, they're still hanging on to it today. I know people, men in their ministry, uh, that something happened in their first church, uh, and now they're in their third or fourth church, and they're still offended. They still won't forgive, they still won't let it go, uh, and it's causing all kinds of issues. Uh, Jesus said, Father, I forgive them. Uh, that's what we have to do. Say, Father, forgive them and let it go. Sometimes you're not going to change the circumstance, but you can, where your own heart we're talking about. See, when you hold on to something, it destroys you and not them. It's like, I'm going to be bitter at them. They deserve me to be bitter at them. And they're just walking around life, they're singing, having a great time, and you're, 
You're all ate up and miserable, and they're having a great time, man. They're out eating ice cream. You're at home eating crow. All right? Two, it's impossible to minister to others when you yourself are offended. You know, commentators say Nineveh, or the Ninevites were evil and cruel people. And they had attacked Israel and killed many Israelites in the past. And some commentators believe that, uh, that uh, uh, Jonah watched his parents be cr- uh, killed by Ninevites. So he's holding on to something. If something's real here. Jonah refuses to forgive and let go, and this is hurting his ministry. Because he will not let go and forgive, it's hurting his ministry. He's now a man of God. Think about this. Uh, that happened when he was small. He's now a man of God. But his refusal to let go is destroying everything that God wants to do in him and through him. Because he won't let this go, uh, this offense. Now, uh, everything that God wants to do, God can't do. He's, he's so rotten inside this offense uh, it's so turned and changed him. You know, it's even a bigger problem when you're having revival and there's something wicked going on in your heart. Think about Jonah. He had the revival every pastor dreams of. Everybody repented. I mean, everybody's crying out mightily to God. They're not just having a prayer meeting. I mean, these are, these said mightily call out. These are desperate prayers. These are men, women, uh, Children mildly crying out mildly to God, they're desperate. God, forgive me, heal me, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, mildly crying, God, forgive us. Uh, I mean, these are mighty cries. Jonah has what every pastor dreams of here. Uh, amen. But because of this heart of his, instead of leading the people in this move of God, again, he's on the hill whining. I know people in ministry like that day. They're never happy. Uh, men on men in, on the field in ministry, people in ministry in local church, uh, God can move powerfully. You're never happy. You're always whining about it. Why is that? Because there's an issue going on here. You know, truth is, pastor's not always going to make you happy. Can I say it again? I'm not always going to make you happy. Other men are going to disappoint you. I've had my pastor make me unhappy before. Disappoint me. See, the problem with offense, you're, uh, uh, if you allow them to hang around, they turn into bitterness, hatred, and unforgiveness. And if you know what I'm talking about, you can say amen. Once you hold things in uh, by nature, uh, and just by time, it's going to turn into something very ugly, you may not want that. You may, even with your words, uh, point fingers and say it's not you, but inside of you uh, is this ugliness, this bitterness, this hatred, this unforgiveness. Uh, I know uh, people today that can't even get by somebody, can't even mention their name, like, yeah. Mention that name, it's like, ah, you know, they just, they, they go and they get hives and start breaking out and shakes. Uh, and you just mention the name. Why is that? You can't fake repentance. Some people say, I've repented. We'll see. You can't fake repentance. Jonah seems sincere in the belly of the well. He prays a good prayer. I'm going to read a little bit to you. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. 
his God from the belly, from the uh, fish's belly, and said, I cried out to the Lord because of my afflictions. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look towards uh, your holy temple. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you and to your uh, holy temple. It sounds all real, doesn't it? I've heard people pray, and it sounds so real, it sounds so sincere, but time and circumstances will tell. Because words are not enough when it comes to repentance. Jonah's prayer was only words. Because when God wanted to move, uh, he wouldn't let the unforgiveness go. When God wanted to save a people in a, a city, uh, a, lo- a lost a nation of folks, uh, when God wanted to move, Jonah still had this bitterness inside, this unforgiveness. Uh, he would not let it go. The prayer sounded good, but there was no true repentance. And what happens today is men and women, uh, uh, when they have no true repentance, they really don't let it go. They really don't forgive uh, 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 they, it sounds good at the altar, but when they go back home, when they go back to work, wherever that problem is, uh, you have to make a decision then, don't you? I'm forgiven. I, I, I'm not holding it. Uh, I'm letting it go. Look lastly at the grace of God here. You know, the grace of God, the fish, the three days were the grace of God. Think God pulled Jonah out of a bad situation, the ship, to redeem and help him. The problem sometimes is the grace of God doesn't look like the grace of God. Jonah being thrown over uh, into a raging sea, uh, being swallowed by fish, being three days, doesn't look like the grace of God in the beginning. And sometimes uh, it doesn't look like the grace of God in the beginning. I've had to pull people out of ministry. I know pastors have been pulled out from the field uh, from a church that doesn't look like the grace of God, but it is. Uh, they're pulled out of the bad circumstance. They can come in uh, and get healed up, get ministered to, get redeemed. Uh, so they go back out the second time or whenever, uh, amen, they can have revival. Things can happen. Good things can take place. That's the grace of God. You know, think about, secondly, think about discipline and correction. It doesn't seem to be a grace when it's done. It doesn't seem to be the grace. Correction, discipline doesn't seem to be grace when it happens. But many times, discipline and correction is the grace of God. It's trying to heal something up. Uh, so that when you go back out or you go and get in another ministry, you do something else, listen, you're going to have revival this time. Something good's going to happen. Uh, that rot is uh, uh, cleaned out, amen, that, that stuff inside of you is, is, you know, the fire hose of God, man, cleans all out, and, and now you're ready to go again. That's the grace of God. So Jonah, I mean, you, you read that uh, you know, being thrown over again, being swallowed by fish, being there three days. Uh, you read John, the seaweed choking him, you know, and it's all over his face, uh, and he cries out to God. But that was the grace of God. Jonah 3.1. God was getting him ready for another chance, Jonah 3.1. Now the word Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, you can go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach its message that I tell you. See, God was healing him up for another chance. 
God was, the grace of God was getting him ready, getting all this, getting him an opportunity anyway, get all this junk out. Uh, remember, he repented, he cried out to God. Uh, but again, repentance is more than words, it's a deed. And God wanted Jonah, or yeah, God wants Jonah to go further than he wanted to go. He is the God of second chances, verse 3. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. See, the hope is that we learn uh, from our first go-around so we experience revival the second time. God was really hoping that Jonah had cleaned all this up and really repented. So in the second chance, uh, when he actually gets to Nineveh, revival is going to break out. These people are not going to only be saved, but discipled. Churches planted, world evangelism established, uh, 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 great things take place. That was God's goal there. You know, Jonah's a sad picture of a Christian, a preacher, that wouldn't let the past go. It's, we need to learn from Jonah. Jonah's a sad picture. Think, look at all that God tried to do to reach this man. All that God had for him... Uh, but he simply wouldn't let things go. The bitterness, uh, the hatred, uh, the rot that was in him, he simply wouldn't let it go. But that's a picture of many today in the church. They won't let an offense go, and it's costing them everything. I know people, it's costing them their marriage, uh, relationships in the church, uh, pastors with other pastors, simply because they're holding on to this thing. That they think if they... Well, they need to fill it. They need to be miserable that, like I am. They're holding on to this thing. So just letting it go and letting life take place. Question, are you holding offense? Is there something you're holding on to this morning? Is it really become rot? You know, think about other people who see things we can't. Have you ever had a brother come up to you and say, man, you need to let the thing go. Why? Because he sees it. It's all over you. Uh, I know some people, they care. It's all over them. Every time you talk to them, ah. it's all, you know, it's, uh, it comes up eventually within a two-minute conversation. Every time. You need to let that go. You can go home and get it right with your wife or your husband. Uh, take care of this issue. Joan is a sad picture of, of a man failing and calling and failing in the grace of God. Jonah 4.9. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? I don't know, God will stick his finger in your chest sometimes. Is it right for you to be like this, Jonah? Look what I've done for you. I've given you calling. Uh, I've established you as a man of God. You can find Jonah all the way back in Kings uh, where God had him as a prophet, a man of God. Uh, and now he's being pointed to a city uh, to preach the gospel. The grace of God has been demonstrated in him. Uh, other men have sacrificed and lost much uh, uh, just to for God to spare Jonah here uh, and all the whole grace of God. Uh, and God says, is it right for you to be angry? God goes to great lengths sometimes to help us when we sit in church angry. And God says, is it right for you to be that way? Or in other words, not right, Jonah. It's not right for you to come to church week after week and be angry and be upset, be mad about something. Look at Jonah's response. And Jonah said, it is right for me to be angry even unto death. Think about that, how he said it to God. Yes, it's right, even unto death. He said that to God. Think about talking to God like 
When you talk to your spouse like that, it's wrong. You talk to your children like that, not talking to God like that. See, when you let that bitterness get in you, it begins to rot. The stench, the disease, it takes over. Jonah's story ends right there. You, know, you read the book of Jonah, it's like chapter 4, you're reading it, it's like, where's chapter 5? It's like it just, it doesn't end, it just, there's nothing else. Jonah's story ends right there. Don't let your story end this morning right here. Don't let the end of your story be Jonah was bitter, complaining, and, and, and nobody ever heard of him again. He's up on the hill whining somewhere. Where's someone's, I don't know, they're at home whining. Don't let it be your story. Let me ask you, is there an offense that you need to, to let go? Is there somebody that you need to forgive? Is there something you need to settle this morning? Do it, because if not, given it time, put that apple back up there if you would, please. That'll be you one day. You'll be walked by that fruit bowl going, Ew. Don't touch that. Don't let that be you. You got to take it down. Let's bow our heads this morning.